Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Got my first follower yesterday. I'm so happy. Uh, I wish I knew who you were. All right, who am I kidding? It's my brother, Bob. Shout out to Bob. Today's podcast is uh, regarding my first day on the police department in 1987. Um, I graduated from the Detroit Police Academy on a Friday and was ordered to report to my first assignment at the 10th Precinct that Monday. I didn't know where the precinct was, but thanks to my OCD idiosyncrasies, I located it and drove past it 10 times that weekend while memorizing a primary, secondary, and my own word, thirdary driving route, just to be sure I wouldn't be late on my first day. That Monday morning, proud but unsure of what to expect, I walked into the 10th precinct. I don't want to say really how long I spent getting ready that morning, but the word metrosexual comes to mind. My uniform and gear were brand new. My shoes, leather, and belt buckle were shinier than my dome would be a few years later. My military press creases were sharp as a razor blade. I've been working out hard all through training, and I felt great, but still hoped my appearance was up to par. Well, the first thing I noticed was that the other officers' uniforms and their bodies were in terrible shape. Their equipment looked dirty. I then realized I looked more out of place than a white Olympic runner in the 50-yard dash. All eyes were on me. One of the desk officers looked me over and said, Rookie, you know you don't have to be here for two more hours, right? I said, oh, yeah, I know. I left home early, uh, just in case. His face contorted into a strange combination of perplexing confusion and disgust. Just in case what? Well, with just two hours, I didn't know if I had time to tell him about all the possible and extremely likely scenarios that could have caused me to be late. But I thought I'd give it a try. Just as I started on about the possible massive solar flare, which could have disabled all the electronics in my car, he simply walked away. He probably needed to use the restroom, but was just too shy to tell me. So I took a seat in the lobby and waited for the shy guy to return, and then I eavesdropped on his conversations with the other desk officers. Now, I'm not saying this shy guy was necessarily dumb, but he really sounded dumb when he talked. Maybe that's why he hadn't thought of all the possible scenarios on his own that could have made me late for work. Anyhow, an hour and 43 minutes later, some other rookies came meandering in with the same spiffy uniform and deer-in-the-headlight eyes that I had earlier. I felt seasoned compared to them. Another one of the desk officers then screamed at us and told us to approach the front desk where the sergeant sat. He said, Rookies, don't you know that you're supposed to salute the desk sergeant every time you walk past him? I was dumbfounded. I'd been there for two hours and never saluted him once. No one said anything to me about it either. I panicked and immediately saluted. In fact, all the rookies did. The desk sergeant looked at us as if we were crazy and he failed to salute us back and then continued reading a People magazine. Later, during roll call, the other rookies and I stood tall and wrote everything the lieutenant told us about recent criminal activity into our brand new pocket spiral notebooks. The veterans seemed to half listen to the, the lieutenant's report, but mostly they laughed at us rookies. It was a bit discouraging. Afterwards, another sergeant took us rookies aside and said, Okay, officers, you won't be teamed up with a training officer today. Actually, you won't have one until you get inside of a car. In the meantime, you'll be paired up in twos and walk a beat in your designated area. 
I'll give you a map. Now get out there and walk around. Don't get killed so you can be back here precisely at 345. And above all else, don't lose your radio. It'll cost you $3,000. I was shocked. That's all he told us. I quickly wrote down everything he said onto my pad, underlining the whole don't get killed part. But what the heck were we supposed to do on a beat? I didn't even know Detroit had beat officers. Regardless, as my luck would have it, the city had recently resurrected the same beat assignments they used in 1905. I later learned that this new beat thing was more of a short-lived community relations stunt rather than a true crime-fighting measure. Anyways, I got paired up with Steve, a tall, skinny white kid who couldn't have weighed more than a buck twenty. Our portable radios were called preps and were the size and weight of a brick. I wondered how anyone could possibly lose one. Before we started our beat walking, we examined some guns that were recently confiscated from the bad guys. They were fierce, too. It seemed to me, at the time, like a collection of machine guns and semi-automatic pistols with high-capacity ammunition clips. It made me thankful that the department issued each of us officers a shiny 1938 Smith & Wesson chrome-plated six-shot revolver and a glossy nightstick with a high-endurance belt clip. As a side note, the department eventually issued us 40 caliber Glocks. Steve and I walked away from the station heading northbound. Ironically, as we walked, we wore leather driving gloves, which I later learned is something only rookies did. In order to intimidate people. It soon became obvious that all Detroit citizens under 95 years old had never seen beat cops either. Everyone drove by and laughed at us. We felt totally helpless. How could we stop a crime or arrest someone if they simply decided to Anyhow, we soon stumbled upon a small dead dog in the street. A neighbor told us the dog belonged to, I don't remember his real name, but I'm going to call him Mr. Jones. They said it belonged to Mr. Jones and informed us where he lived. We had a strong inclination that we were supposed to do something, some kind of police work. Eventually, We located a plastic garbage bag, and I reluctantly pushed the dog inside of it with my new boot. We then marched over to Mr. Jones' house with a dead dog and mixed feelings. Mr. Jones opened the door. Before we introduced ourselves, Steve opened the bag, and after several flies buzzed out, he held out the corpse towards Jones and asked, Sir, is this your dog? (gasps) It pretty much went downhill on an oiled-up toboggan from there. Mr. Jones' eyes opened as big as manhole covers, and then he got wobbly and nearly fainted. We had to call for our first ambulance. When we finished this first good deed as police officers, we continued to walk around the neighborhood aimlessly until we heard the radio dispatcher report a possible shooting victim. Steve and I reviewed our map and then ran to the location, arriving a minute before the experienced officers with vehicles did. We spotted a man lying motionless in the street, his shirt was soaked with blood, and there looked to be a large bullet hole in his torso. We strongly suspected he was the person we were looking for. We had a real emergency on our hand the first day. We became legitimate first responders, not just beat-walking rookies. Wanting to sound as professional as possible, I took a deep breath, keyed my radio, and told the dispatcher, This is Livernoid Beach 7. We have a man down who has suffered an apparent gunshot wound to the left lower quadrant of his abdomen. After a slight pause, the dispatcher responded, 
LB7, do you mean you have some guy who got shot in the belly? So much for being professional. Anyways, the beat sergeant showed up to our crime scene, helped us with the paperwork, and then rewarded us with a drive back to the precinct to do additional paperwork. Steve and I felt like real police officers as we walked past the desk sergeant and saluted. Once again, he ignored us. It finally dawned on me that none of the veteran officers were saluting, and the sergeant never seemed to care one way or the other. So the next time I walked past him, I didn't even look at him. A moment later, he yelled, Officer, did you forget something? Sorry, sir, I said, as I quickly saluted. So began my dream career that eventually led to my nightmare incarceration and my current state of hopelessness. To my three loyal listeners, that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the podcast next week when I'll tell you about the crazy day I had when I took my childhood pal with me for a ride-along in my police car.